Welcome to Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life. I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. And I'm Ann Roby, an HR advisor and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. So Sherry, I'm super excited to introduce you and our audience to Marty Grimmick, who I first met when it was really kind of funny, actually, I was working with her husband, Tony, back in the day. I think we were both newish to the company and we were sitting in this little tiny conference room and I have no idea what we were even talking about, but Tony just looks at me and he goes, you need to meet my wife. And I was like, okay, sounds like a good plan. (laughs) And so I did. And I've just been so delighted to have Marty in my life ever since then. Marty is the founder and CEO of International Connector, which is an innovation and impact agency. And I really think Marty's gift to the world is her focus on harnessing the power of the youth perspective. She has designed her company's signature product, a virtual immersive interactive think tank that has disrupted the way her clients think about data and information. She does this by providing a direct line into a global network of thousands of young innovators across 190 countries. I actually got to experience this myself back in the day when International Connector was just like a little baby beginning company. And I gave Marty the data and the feedback I'd gotten from a culture survey we had done. And she flipped it over to this think tank of youth from around the world. And they just had such an amazingly different perspective than those of us executives sitting around a board table might have. It really changed the way that we thought about the information and the data that we got back. So it was super, super cool. And I'm so excited to see how much it's grown because God, Marty, that's been I don't know, eight years, 10 years, something like that. It's been a while. But on top of all of that and her amazingness as a businesswoman, she is also a singer and she performs mostly around Marin here in the Bay Area. And her band is called Whiskey Business, which I just absolutely love that name. But beyond that, I mean, Marty's just such a cool chick and she's so fun. So I am just thrilled, Marty, to to welcome you to the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Anne. And it's so fun to think back on that because you were one of the first people to trust us with this new <laughs> in business. So, And I remember thinking, I don't know what it is, but she makes it sound great. So let's try it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was awesome. But Marty, tell us, that's sort of starting in the middle of the story. Tell us a little bit more about your journey and how you got to where you are today, maybe some points along the way and things that you learned. Yeah, a great question and a hard question to answer. (laughs) (laughs) Wide open. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Where do I start? I think a lot of, for me, a lot of my life has been defined by travel. Not like going on a little holiday trip or things like that, but actually finding every opportunity I could to go live abroad or meet people from other places, even in the cities that I lived in. So I have been very lucky in my life to like, I'm from New York. I've lived in Sydney. I've lived in Brisbane, London, Prague, Buenos Aires. I now live in the Bay Area. It's soon to be another location. I was just going to say, it's soon to be shifting out of that too. (laughs) We're going over to the Netherlands for a while too. And then through that, like, especially when I was younger with work, I both made personal choices to go abroad and go different places. And I also had jobs that allowed me to travel. And so being able to engage with so many different types of 
people and culture around the world. I, I was just fascinated by it. That's amazing. And if I recall, Marty, wasn't it when you were traveling as a youngster when you actually met Mr. Tony? I was. Yeah, we, <laughs> we've been together a very long time. I won't say how many years because <laughs> I will date me. <laughs> but yes, we met when I was living in Europe and I was moving between London and Prague and traveling. And I met him outside a hostel in Venice. Everybody goes, Venice. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't as glamorous. (laughs) But then we kept running into each other all around Europe. Which is kind of amazing if you think about it, right? Because this is all pre-cell phone. It was pre-cell phone. Yeah. So I think meeting him made a huge impact in my life. I did go back to New York for a little while, but then he and I were staying in touch (laughs) through weird technology because it really wasn't in existence at that time. And then I got a visa, a work holiday visa, it's called. And I went down to Australia for about six months. Which is where Tony's Uh, from. Yeah. Sorry. He's Australian. (laughs) (laughs) And then literally though, had that crisis moment of like my career, my life, my career, and came back to New York and started my career. And about a year later, I was still really head over heels over him. And we were able to get a real visa at that time. So sort of equivalent of a green card in the US. And I left everything and went to Australia to be with him. Wow. So you were there kind of like on a little play visa almost, right? At first, came back home. How was that living in a completely different culture, living with somebody, I'm assuming? I mean, it seems like it was a very different lifestyle than where you had come from. It was very different. Once I got settled, I found a a great job. It took a while and just to try to figure out how to get hired in a new place and all those things. But there was a funny story, just like how different it was. I was living in the East Village in Manhattan when I moved. And I go to this city called Brisbane in Australia, which is a small city anyway. But at that time, especially, it was really a sleepy beautiful place to live. And I asked some of the women that I worked with, I'm like, what what can we do this weekend? And like, what can we go do? I'm like really excited to check out Brisbane. So they gave me a list of a restaurant and maybe like bar and a club. And they're like, go check these places out. I'm like, awesome. So Friday night, we went to all of them. Saturday night, we went to all of them. (laughs) (laughs) To the office. I mean, I was used to New York, right? There's so many things to go do. I got in the office on Monday. I'm like, these were the best. Thank you. Where can I go this week? They're going, you went to all three? (laughs) (laughs) That was it. That was all there was. That's so funny. (laughs) Okay. So you find yourself in Australia working. Good job. And then kind of what happens next? Yeah, we stayed in Australia for a couple of years. At that time, I was working in entertainment and was a live entertainment producer. So Broadway tours, big stadium events, concerts, all sorts of things. And so I was traveling a lot, which was great. Learned so much. And my whole life was theater and entertainment since I was like five. But long story short, we made a choice to leave Australia. It was sort of that pinnacle point in both of our careers and we were making big transitions. And we took off for six months and went, and you know, again, another travel experience. We were able to travel for six months through South and Central America overland. So we started at the very bottom of 
South America and Argentina called Ushuaia. And we went all the way up and ended in Mexico City. So it was an incredible journey. And we came back to New York and, you know, a lot of upheaval and a lot of things. But during that period of time, we both went to school. We both did our graduate degrees. Tony got into finance, which was like a whole different field. We started a family. <laughs> and I started International Connector. So it's kind of like a crazy journey, I guess, going from like live entertainment to running the business that I do today. But a lot of life choices and a lot of choices about what is the balance between our family life, the ability to travel or do things, you know, and job and careers and how do those things intermix. So I'm curious if we could go back just a little bit further into time. Do you have a sense of where this love of travel comes from? I don't know if you'd call it wanderlust or just a love of travel, but what you are describing is really on the very high end of, I'll go here, I'll live here for a while, I'll go here, I'll live here for a while. And I'm, I'm just very, very curious if where that comes from. Yeah. I mean, I think originally it came from my parents. They didn't spend money except for on trips. <laughs> That's where they put the focus. And my dad also traveled a lot for work. So it wasn't a strange concept growing up. And so I saw that. But then... At a really critical time, I, I would go to spend my summers as a teenager at an amazing camp. And I had really close friends there. And all my counselors were from all over the world. And the first summer I didn't go, and I had just graduated from high school, I flew across to Europe and spent a couple of weeks in a VW van with a few of the counselors. And they were great because they sort of took this American mindset that I had and showed me how to travel cheaply and how to travel in that sort of hostile world and what the subculture of what was going on everywhere. There is a huge travel culture of young people going out and seeing the world. And I was just blown away by the Australians who took off for a couple of years to travel. And how did they make that happen? And I think our perspective in the States is that travel is super expensive, but there are so many options when you're young to work and travel or to spend only a little bit of money and travel. And so learning that and also just the fun that would happen and the people that you would meet, they influenced me in, in so much of my work today and in just so much of my mindset about we're part of a bigger system and we're part of a bigger world than just my little city or just my country. Well, say a little bit more about that because I think that's really interesting. So you said it influenced who you are today and the kind of work you do. So how does that relate to the kind of work that you do? Well, we're working now with young people literally across 190 countries. And so what that does is just, I'm hearing about things firsthand all the time. I don't need the news in the same way and, and when I do see the news, it's so filtered in a certain lens, whereas I'm hearing from young people in those countries of what they're experiencing. So that is hugely influential for me. And then just giving that respect back and that voice back to young people from all over these different countries, like really learning about them and not having a stereotype about it. And then what is that value for business today? And I think that was a link that at first I just thrived and I love 
diversity and I love different thoughts and perspectives because it challenges how I've reached out into the world. But then I saw how valuable it also is for businesses and that how much we get in our own silos or our own thought bubbles. And we're only influenced by the same things we're, we're seeing or reading or, and stuff. And yet influences and some of the most disruptive, awesome ideas are coming from other sides of the world. So how do you tap into that and appreciate what that is? So that's where I see it, both from the value that it brings businesses, but then also the impact and the needs and the impact it personally has on me, the impact that we can have on different places. So we're working on two sides, actually, in our own business. I should probably explain that. We're working on these business solutions, as you described, right? How does how do these insights, how do these ideas and data, the lens that young people brings, and why do we need to look at that? But then we're also impacting young people all over the world. We've co-designed with young people skill-building curriculum and other impact programs that they have asked for and needed and that we've been able to identify as needs. And so we're able to facilitate programs, work with young people and have all that amazing energy come from that, but then also bring that back to business today. I love that. And I think it's so super helpful. I'm curious. So all of that travel and getting to see the world at a really young age and and traveling, not in maybe the way that traditionally Americans do, gave you the seeds and the foundation for your awesome company. I'm wondering what the flip side of that is. I mean, was it also difficult or did you struggle at all when you were out and about? I'm curious about the other side of your experiences, if there are any. Yeah, of course. There's a lot of things that you do miss out on. I discovered who my lifelong friends are because I would leave and come back. I was very restless that way. You know, people move on and or it's hard to just slip back in at times. I love the fact that I do have friends all over the world. Am I the person who was the maid of honor at all the weddings? No, I wasn't. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. So yeah, I tried to make most of them, but it's just a different type of relationship. And so even where I feel so attached and so close to people, it's, I know it's different for other people. So you miss out on things like that. There's certainly struggles. I mean, travel, when you live in another place, you have to get used to the culture. And there are times where I'm open and ready for it. And there's other times where I just find it exhausting and you're just ready to cry and nobody understands what you're going through or what you're feeling. So those are definitely things that I think are hard about it. Your comment about you really find out who your real friends are. And I can relate to that a little bit. I've just made two major moves as an adult, so nothing like you, but it is interesting. It's not always the people you think it's going to be. And sometimes it's not the people you expected it to be, but I'm really interested in your comment about, so were you a bridesmaid in all those weddings? No, you had relationships where you came back for the weddings, but I think there's something potentially interesting there about how that has informed your life as well with this ability to have lots and lots of far-flung relationships, but the trade-off is not having, I don't know if it's fair to say not having those intimate relationships, but not having those day-to-day, frequently together kind of relationships. And so I'm just, I'm curious how that has informed the way your life has played out or the way you have structured your businesses. It just feels like there's something interesting there. 
Yeah. It's interesting. I don't think I've ever like talked about it or reflected on it until this. So it's an interesting thing. My business structure is probably different than most businesses because I came out of the live entertainment world. And this will kind of relate back. So the way in which I originally built my business was just like building a new show. So when we go to put a Broadway tour on, you start a show, you hire the team for that show and you basically put it on and the duration of the tour or the performances happen and then everybody disperses. And so I think this structure exists a little bit more now because the gig economy and people working for themselves has become much more popular than like when I started the company about... 15, 16, 17 years ago. And now we have more of a team that is all the time, but we were always creating the team for the project. And that was just how I felt comfortable working because of that influence. And in some ways, that also is a reflection of the fact that I was always moving. I was moving around for work. I was moving around for my personal life. And again, I feel really tight and loyal to so many people because of that. And that's a trust to be like, put somebody on a team for four months or a year. And you know, they're going to kick ass on that and just be the best person I could have gotten. But that's also a trust that you have to gain and have for people. And they have to want that lifestyle as well, that fluid lifestyle that I wanted. So what are the types of things that you do to develop that trust to both show yourself as somebody that can be trusted and then to develop the trust with another person? I think now I'm just trying to be so transparent. So transparency, huge. Transparency is so big. And even when I have no answers or no guarantees or anything, I try to just at least say that. And I try to just paint the full picture completely transparent. This is what I'm trying to figure out. I don't know if it's going to be solved in a month or it's going to be solved in four months. Really kind of keeping people in the loop on that and being blunt about it as much as I can. I think for a long time, especially establishing the company... So here are the challenges on it. I started a company at a really crazy time. I was like a couple months later, I got pregnant. and. I was switching industries, basically. Like I was doing something completely different. So I didn't have a name in it. I was in my late 20s, really like ambitious, wanting to prove something. But then you have a startup or business, whatever you want to call it. And so all of those factors make you very vulnerable. You're not able to drop a big company name to say, like, why should you believe in in me and in this? So those vulnerabilities are really difficult to navigate early on in those insecurities. And I also think that certain partnerships that or people I thought I wanted to partner with or started working with and collaborating with and wanted to really dive deep with were not the right fit for me. How did you know that? Because they kind of screwed me over. (laughs) But it goes back to the trust thing. Ultimately, it sounds like you couldn't trust them because maybe they screwed you over or other things. Yes. And so recognizing that and recognizing the behavior that some people put on it. Like I know there was one partner of mine 
who at some point wrote something to me that was so horrible. And he knew that I was on a holiday with my family and actually taking a week off. And I remember seeing that and I wrote back something like, I'm not engaging with this and just never responded. And some people would be like, you should respond and you should bubble. And I thought, nah, this whole thing is not healthy. And you have to just recognize those moments and those people And whether you're in deep with them or you're only slightly in deep with them, or if they're a client even, recognize those moments and recognize those people and step away from it. To be honest, the person who's the best at this and who's guided me the whole time has been Tony. He's so solid. And I've been lucky to have that partnership, both like personally and professionally. And so he's always the first one to be like, don't engage, don't engage. (laughs) (laughs) Or when you do engage, here's how we're going to engage, you know? (laughs) So you're in your late 20s, you're starting this company, and at least the first few people or partners you think you want to work with screw you over. And so I'd love to hear more about what was that like? Like what was happening for you at an age where you didn't have the kind of experience that we develop after a few more decades of, you know, having just a better sense of how to handle that or how to react to it. And so what was that like for you at this relatively young age? Well, to add into that as well is that I had young kids and I had young kids that had challenges that needed therapy and needed different support systems. So things were very volatile in general. And so what I did in my mind, the business model that we came to with International Connector, the stuff that you were talking about, and actually came a little bit later. I was really establishing the company so that I could stay as in the business world and continue to be a professional and to just take on consulting projects. And I wasn't really clear in the beginning where I wanted to go, but I knew I wanted to stay as a professional and not be a full-time mom, no matter what that meant in terms of all the stuff that we were dealing with. But I needed something flexible. And so I think what I did that's very different than most entrepreneurs is that I built a business from day one that could work with what capacity I had. So I built a business that step-by-step when I had more capacity and more time with what was going on with the kids or Tony's job or whatever that balance was, then I could take on more. And when I couldn't, I took on less. And that really helped take a different type of pressure off. Yes, I was lucky enough that I wasn't the sole breadwinner. So if I may had a great year, that's awesome. And it really, really helped. If I didn't have a great year because of other things, then we just knew we had to budget more. And we worked together on that. But it kept me in a professional growing state. And it kept me active in a way that I needed. And I was able over time to grow the business, the information, the networks, the pieces that I think I see a lot of women struggling with who maybe took a lot of time out and then are coming back into a business setting. It sounds like you've done a good job at setting some boundaries and identifying what is important to you. And like you said, you had some ebb and flow with your work. One of the things I'm curious about is Often our listeners 
have gone through similar things where like trust has been broken or (laughs) to use your words, you get screwed over in some way. And so I'm just wondering if you're willing to explore that a little bit more and what that process was like and how you recover after you feel like you've kind of gotten screwed over in a way. I think where I'm a little different than maybe some people's, I I don't think I like compartmentalize. I don't think that's my thing, but there was a lot going on with my kids. And so you take a blow on the work front, but then ultimately what's the most important thing for you, right? Like at the end of the day, for me, it has always been my family and making sure that our lifestyle, our family unit is healthy and happy and content. And we're all working together and just whatever that looks like. So I think for me, I would just be like, oh, I don't need to go to a therapist and talk about this. <laughs> it sucked. And it's not that it didn't hurt or make me cry at the moment or deal with that stress. But I also am like, I need to walk away from those stresses because if I bring that stress to the family, I'm going to bring it anyway when I'm trying to like business develop and grow the business and the things I'm working on and doing a great job. I don't need to bring their baggage home. And that's the difference. So I've always just kind of tried to like talk it out with Tony and like, okay, now I'm over it. And it will circle back. I've certainly seen moments where I have PTSD moments reaction point. So it maybe therapy would help, but it's just, that's how I've been able to deal with it. It's just their baggage is not going to affect me. Well, what I love about what you just said is that even though you didn't use the word trade-off, that you were very clear that you had a choice to make. You could bring this home with you at a time where you really needed a lot of your energy, your emotional energy and your time for your family. And so given a choice between hanging on to something that sucked, as you said, versus making the conscious decision to, I'm not super fond of let it go because that always just feels like a little flippant, that given a choice between hanging on to it or saying, this is not where my energy should be right now, there's something more important, really served you very, very well. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was as glamorous as that sounds. <laughs> the way you said, it, I was like, "Wow, that sounds amazing!" <laughs> <laughs> what a wise late twenties gal you were. <laughs> I am so good at that. No, it's not like that at all. Certainly not. It was definitely messy points along the way, but you definitely grow. And I think I can see red flags a lot faster now. So how do you handle that? You mean like if you have a partnership or a client or something and you see a potential red flag, how do you handle that? (laughs) Start talking about it out loud. Back to transparency. Yeah. And trying the best to just build your allies and not in a way to go against them. It's just like getting that information. Are we on track? How do we do with this? What are we talking about? Speaking about it out loud and having a little bit of a reflection point. I have a great team that is really great about having the types of conversations. And so that makes a big difference too. Can I take a a little bit of a hard right here? Sure. So I'm really fascinated by, you have this business. It sounds like it has a very intellectual, very analytical component to it. And then you're in a band. And... I'm very, very curious to hear 
how those two sides of you, or maybe it's just two aspects of the same side of you, but I'm just super interested in how they either inform each other or how they offset each other. But there's something super interesting about businesswoman by day, rock star by night persona. <laughs> I love it. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I could have you both be like my publicist. I love sure. it. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, when I was young, I went to NYU Tisch School of the Arts. I was a professional performer briefly until I jet-setted to Australia to be with this guy I met in Europe. <laughs> but that was my life and especially singing. I really always was a singer and I just loved it. And I I think everybody in high school has like photos of me constantly like, oh, here we go again. There she is singing with her guitar (laughs) on the stage and that stage. So it was so embedded. But when I went to Australia, actually, one of the things that I found really hard and as somebody who was new in, in any field, like I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how you go and become a performer there. And what was a little easier for me was the back end. So the producing, and I loved the producing. So I don't want that to sound like it was the next thing or whatever, but I just didn't know what to do as a performer. And I was actually very shy about it. And I still have moments of being very insecure about all of that. But a couple of years ago, like when I turned 40... Unfortunately, it's a bunch of years ago now. I realized my kids had never seen me on a stage. And that was an awful feeling. And it took a while, like a year or two, until I was able to figure out a way to get back up. And I found a program that I call it adult band camp. (laughs) 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 That got me back up singing. And then since then, it's gone into like, I have the band and I get to like sit in sometimes with these professionals and I take vocal class and I do these performances and... And I've gotten some other little things where I've appeared at big galas and other stuff. So it has been so amazing getting back on a stage. That's like the gist of my long story there. But what that did is it fueled a confidence in myself where I all of a sudden felt I had an outlet of who, and I felt like I reconnected to who I am. And it didn't come with the pressure that you get when you're young and trying to become a performer. And that has a whole scary side to it as well. So now I'm doing it for myself and I love every minute of it. And so that energy has fueled the business. I think what you're saying is so important, especially as a entrepreneur and starting your own business, like it's so easy to get sucked and, you know, busy mom and kids that have some extra needs, you know, whatever, all of these things could result in you just putting your head down and grinding the workout. But what I'm hearing you say is it's actually that time that you take for yourself to do something that you love that fuels the rest of your life. Is that a fair statement? Very fair. Yeah. I love that. And how important it is that we find those things whether it's on a stage or singing or whatever that help us. Cause it, it's like f- fuel for the soul in order to, to really help us in, in other areas. I think that's beautiful. You know, what's also interesting is several episodes ago, we had a guest on Dr. Nicole Swiner, who is an expert in self-care and she talked a lot about self-care is tending to your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual wellness. 
And the way you are talking about singing and performing actually sounds like a form of self-care for you. It is. It really is. It changes my whole mood (laughs) more than like exercise does and things. I really, I have to do it. Like it just is such a game-changing moment. And I wake up more energized the next day from it. So I do feel that. And I think with my kids, I they taught me because they could always sense when either myself or Tony were ever off in our moods and they still do today. So if I'm super stressed about something or worried or whatever, they are so sensitive to it. And I think that finding that balance of an... I don't want them to take that energy with them. And it's not that I don't want them to be aware that people have emotions. That's not what it is. But putting my crazy energy or worries or those off balances on them doesn't help them grow and it doesn't help them in their day-to-day. So finding that balance has always been really important to me. And it certainly goes off balance all the time, (laughs) finding those moments where you can come back to that and things like singing help me feel that balance. And so what are some other things when, I mean, we all get out of balance, no matter if we're juggling one thing or 14 things. So singing obviously helps. What else do you do to, to really kind of bring yourself back into alignment? I think surrounding yourself with great people, friends, great people on your team, great clients, that is energizing. And I know we can't always choose all those things, but really looking for those. And when you see it and you can identify it, when you meet somebody that you really click with, trying to find ways to engage further in those and leaning into that really makes a huge difference. I mean, it's interesting that you have the word connector in your business, because I do think that that's one thing you are so great at is, and maybe that's some of the skills you were talking about when you really learned who your friends were, but staying in connection with people, finding ways to do interesting things together, taking the opportunity. You and I like try to do lunch when we can, and when we can't, we connect via phone or Zoom or whatever. And so I really think that's a huge takeaway. And I never put this together before, but I think it's not by mistake, you have the word connector in the title of your business and how important that is. It's super important. Being connected with people, regardless of where they are in the world, it's just an important thing. And I think actually where I'm struggling right now is that I don't feel as connected to my network since COVID. And it's not just the people that I see every day, it's the greater worlds of people that I knew before COVID, where we all got very small in our focus and in our worlds. And so I feel like I'm just emerging from all of that and trying to reconnect with people because it's so important. And I feel like all of those serendipitous business things that happen, the personal life changes, or those are all through connections. And just being open to that. Every new city I moved to, and I've moved to a lot of cities, I would take any single opportunity to meet anybody and just seeing where that led, just have a conversation. I didn't need a full agenda. It was just, okay, what do you do? What are you, you know, what are you working on? What do you like to do? Just meeting people. And that has really led me everywhere in my personal journey. I love what you're saying because it's really about being... Sherry used the word earlier, open to possibility, open to serendipity. And I love how you just said this about meeting new people without an agenda. I'm going to tell a story on Sherry here. She kind of dislikes 
classic networking events, but she turned it away from here's what I got. What do you got into, let me find some interesting new people that could be friends or something else, or, you know, what have you. And you're saying much the same thing about just being completely open when you're meeting new folks, whether it's on a different continent or at the grocery store line in your neighborhood of just being open to possibility. I just had lunch the other week with a friend who I originally met in the Galapagos. <laughs> and it was one of those last minute, like literally she did the same thing. We were all like travelers overland in South America. We walked into a little travel agency and they had one or two little discounted spots left on a boat to the Galapagos. So we went and met her there and we've met up in different cities at different times. And now actually tomorrow we're where I'm going to brainstorm with her on an area that actually I need to talk to somebody about. And she's a perfect expert, but we've just been friends for that long. And I don't see her that often, obviously, like I just reconnected with her, but it's those types of things that, again, it's not about like, oh, I'm going to get something from them, but they're just been in my life for a very long time. And that's, that makes it richer for me. After all these years of travel and so many connections. And it sounds like so many moments of serendipity. If you were to travel back in time, back to when you were a little girl thinking about performing and seeing that future stretching out in front of you, what words of wisdom would you whisper in her ear, kind of knowing how it's turned out so far? I think the two things I would say is drop the assholes earlier. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I will that. tell you, Marty, you are not the first person to share that word, <laughs> those words of wisdom. Fast <laughs> <laughs> and furious. And, and, and I think it's still something I struggle with today. Like, don't underestimate my ability. I can't underestimate my own ability on things. Actually, I know that we can... I say we, because my team is always so embedded in everything. I know we can do any of that, anything, any project and do it really well. But it's actually more about, you know, it's the same thing. It's like, we're not a household name to everybody. And that's okay. Actually, I love the size of our business. And we have some of the top clients in the world. But it is that moment of not letting that underestimation affect me or affect my confidence when I'm going to speak to somebody new. And that was something that I struggled with for a long time. And I can still see remnants of it. And it's like, wait a second, why am I letting that come into my whole headspace? What a beautiful gift that would be to instill in a little person, little Marty, <laughs> don't underestimate yourself and don't let anybody else underestimate you as well. I think that's beautiful and probably a great place to wrap up this conversation. Marty, thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Absolutely. And that's going to wrap up our episode for today. We really hope you enjoyed it and would love it if you would share our podcast with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, or post it to your own social media. You can find information in previous episodes at flowingeastandwest.com. And speaking of flowingeastandwest.com, we have a new opportunity for you to get engaged with the podcast. We're calling it Pod Squads, which is kind of like a book club for each episode. So if that sounds 
interesting to you or like fun to you, sign up at flowingeastandwest.com and you'll get some information on it. And it also comes with the opportunity for one of us to join you on your pod squad for a discussion with whoever you pull together. So until then, please join us next time for Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life.